now, it's time for the Cybersecurity News Bite with Jim Guckin. Cybersecurity News Bite, Episode 14, for April 11th, 2022. D-Link users advised to take vulnerable routers offline. Hackers breach MailChimp to launch crypto phishing scam. Block confirms Cash App breach after a former employee accessed U.S. customer data. And Borat Rat propagates ransomware and DDoS. So on Monday, you know, when the last episode came out, uh, SZA uh, pretty much put a new CVE on their known exploited vulnerabilities list. Now, CISA, if you're not familiar, stands for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, uh, a great place if you work in the cybersecurity field to get some information from it. So they added the CVE 2021-45382. And this was created, the CVE, at the end of last year. So it's not really necessarily an old exploit. Uh just at the, you know, in December 20th, it came out, so we're only a couple months out. Uh, it's a remote code execution bug, and it impacts D-Link devices. Now, the problem with this particular bug is it impacts D-Link devices that are end-of-life, meaning D-Link's not going to sit there and put patches out for them. So it's very, very dangerous. Um, it exists in all series and hardware revisions for... D-Link models DIR-810L, DIR-820L, and LW, DIR-826L, DIR-830L, and DIR-836L routers. Now, all of these devices, ironically, were offered their final update on December 19th. So right after the, the final update came out, they hit end of life, this new one uh, came out. Now, this causes a problem when you kind of are using end of life devices, which why as a security professional, I always recommend that before you get to end of life, um, that you refresh your equipment so that you don't run into scenarios like this. Now, CISA, along with a recommendation I have, urges all organizations to reduce their exposure to a cyber attack um, by prioritizing timely remediation of its list of known and exploited vulnerabilities. So, this being on it, if you have one of these, your best remediation is to get them off the internet. So, replace it Um, with a more secure or newer model so that you get the most uh, life out of it. Um, Because you're you're exposing your organization to something that you don't necessarily need to do. Now, CISA recently gave similar advice for some other D-Link things that are of a different uh, vulnerability. Uh, So if you have DIR-610 or DIR-645 neither which were in the list above, um, make sure that you replace them, as well as if you use Netgear DGN 2200. These all have vulnerabilities. They're all not getting patched. They're all end of life. I mean, I I shouldn't explain end of life means no patches, no security updates. You're running into a big vulnerability, and 
the vulnerabilities that are found are going to be more easily exploited. And hackers are going to actively look for those kind of devices to take advantage of them because they're never getting patched. So make sure you have any of these devices, you immediately replace them as quick as possible. Also, highly recommend you check out the SZA uh, known exploited vulnerabilities list so that you know if any of the devices on that list are on your network, replace them immediately. Now, for our next story is something that um, I feel like we're going to see more and more off. So on Monday, MailChimp revealed there was a data breach. And this data breach resulted in the compromise of one of their internal tools. It allowed a malicious actor to gain unauthorized access to customer accounts and pretty much pivot into, into staging some phishing attacks. MailChimp became aware of the incident back on March 26 when it saw a malicious party accessing the customer support tool. Saibon Smith, MailChimp's chief information security officer, said the incident was propagated by an external actor who conducted a successful social engineering attack on MailChimp employees, resulting in employees' credentials being compromised. That is... I want to say at this point, one of the most important things is having your users realize phishing campaigns. It's easier said than done, but if you go look through a lot of these breaches, that's what happens. It starts as a phishing attack and then they pivot elsewhere. Now, before MailChimp was able to quickly shut this down, the phished account was used to access 319 MailChimp accounts, export the mailing lists of 102 accounts, and it's also to believe to have gained access to the API keys for an unknown number of customers. Now, the good thing is MailChimp did a little progressive security thing and they have disabled um, the API keys, preventing the attackers from using them to mount even more phishing campaigns. So this was kind of dangerous once they got access to this stuff. Um, MailChimp's recommending customers enable two-factor authentication to secure their accounts in case more stuff happens, like account takeovers. Um, and so the interesting thing about this, too, was this acknowledgement from MailChimp came as the cryptocurrency wallet company Trezor on Sunday said that it's investigating a security incident stemming from an opt-in newsletter hosted on MailChimp after the actor repurposed the stolen data to send rogue emails claiming that a company had experienced security incidents. So, it, it's very interesting to kind of see this kind of stuff where uh, a phishing scam comes in to be able to leverage phishing attacks from a, a trusted provider. I mean, you see MailChimp, you know, oh, well, you know, the company's using this to, to spread stuff out. So this is very important and very key to these kind of attacks. Uh, and what's even crazier here is is trying to fish one company to gain access to their support tools so that you can launch an attack on a crypto vendor to be able to steal cryptocurrency. I mean, that's that's a little level of sophistication that most people don't think. You think you, the hackers directly attack their targets, and sometimes they attack a third party to be able to get their targets done.
So always be careful what you're clicking and always make sure it's legitimate, even if it's from a trusted source. Now, while we may not have a ton of information on this next story, it's a key thing that I really wanted to, like, I picked the story just for the message that it sends. Because there hasn't been an organization I've worked for uh, that hasn't been a little loose when it comes to termination of employees. Um, so, Block, which was formerly the company Square, which is the owner of Cash App. So, I'm pretty sure you've heard of Cash App. Block, I wasn't familiar with. Square is something I've known about before. So, they've confirmed that there was a data breach involving a former employee who downloaded reports that contained yeah, maybe some U.S. customer information. So uh, we found this out via an SEC filing uh, that said that the reports were accessed by the insider on December 10th. Reports included users' full names and brokerage account numbers, and for some other customers, the data also included brokerage portfolio value, brokerage portfolio holdings, and stock trading activity for a single trading day. So this is a, an employee who hasn't properly been off-boarded, who at some point, because we don't know how, how far before this he, was, he or she was terminated, we just know they were terminated at some point and they re-accessed the data back in December. And so... Uh, also in the SEC filing, Block has said that while the employee had regular access to these reports as part of past job responsibilities, in this instance, these reports were accessed without permission after their employment ended, which I, I, I always find without permission, like someone's going to ask. But at the same time, you should have gotten rid of the accounts. They should have at least at minimum changed the password. On all stuff, but this is going into this new era of, you know, everything being accessible via the internet, so you can access it anywhere. Well, when you terminate an employee, whether it's on good or bad terms, especially if it's on bad terms, but if it's on good terms, you need to kill that accounts or all the accounts, really, as quick as possible. Now, Block was asked why this why this user still had access and block refused to answer the questions um, and for they didn't even say how long they retained their access after their employment uh, obviously because one there's probably an investigation going on and two there's no answer that looks good I mean unless it was like an hour before even then you kind of go well you got rid of the employees should have really gotten rid of them uh, their account access. So there's no real good answer from this from Block's point of view. Um, Block also declined to say how many Cash App customers were impacted by the breach. Uh, though it is interesting to see that it has contacted about 8.2 million of its current and former customers, you know, about this incident. Now, this could just be a, which I believe it is, this could be more of a just CYA scenario where they're just contacting everybody in their list. Uh, I hope it's not 8.2 million people in a report, but you know, you never know. So the good thing about this is why all that information was there. No other personable identifiable information beyond the names were accessed. So 
You don't have to worry if you are a customer, your username and password safe, your social security numbers, payment cards, uh, and your address. None of them were in the reports. So that's a plus, but it goes to show you it's really important to have a really decent offboarding process. Because we don't know much about this employee, whether they were let go or whether they quit. But either way, they retained access beyond when they should have it, ran a report, you know, that they had access prior for what reasons we don't know, because there's not a lot of information currently on this. And, you know, only recently did we get the uh, the information that there was a breach, uh, even though the reports were accessed at the end of last year. So, yeah, take things with it with a grain of salt. Um, until we find out the, the motivations behind the person. Though I'm guessing they're not good when they're accessing stuff they shouldn't have access to. But at this point, someone should have told someone, IT, to disable all of their accounts. You know, where where did, the, where did it fail in the offboarding process? Was there no communications? And these happen, especially in giant organizations. Sometimes things happen and, you know, Things aren't relayed as quick as they could be. Or, you know, you got to tell your boss, who tells their boss, who tells HR, who tells, you know, who, who, you know, does the paperwork and then maybe files the ticket with IT. When you have all those loops, things can get lost fairly easily. So take this as a lesson and kind of audit your offboarding and, and even onboarding processes to make sure that if you create an account for someone you're expecting to come on board and then they don't, that, that account is dealt with. Now, for our final story, a newly discovered rat is now in use by malicious actors. Now, for those of you who may not have the acronym memorized and only hear uh, remote access Trojan when they hear rat, uh, it, 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 it's a software that allows people to remotely access a computer. So, what's different about this one? Why am I talking about this? How do we, couldn't we get a week without a new version of some kind of uh Malware? Well, this version spreads ransomware, can do distributed denial of service attacks, and it still has the traditional remote access functions so they can backdoor victim systems. Now, this was discovered by researchers at Cybel Research Labs. They dubbed this new rat Borat, Borat Rat, uh, because it uses a photo of Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, the comedian who created and famously portrayed fictional character Borat in that mockumentary series. Yeah, so that's what it's called, Borat. Um, now, the interesting thing is it provides a range of advanced features as well as a dashboard for threat actors to perform various malicious activities beyond what the traditional remote access tools can do. So it's kind of further expanding malware capabilities. The Borat Rat is a potent and unique combination of remote access Trojan, spyware, and ransomware, making it pretty much a triple threat. Uh, the Rat includes the following functionalities um, in, in, in kind of individual modules you can have to it. So it has a key logger, so it can store all the keystrokes on the victim's machine. Audio recording that checks if a microphone is present, 
and we'll record all audio and save it to a file named called micaudio.wave. So you might want to look at that's on your computer. Webcam recording uh, module that records a video um, from the webcam. Remote desktop sessions that can allow threat actors the necessary rights to control the victim's machine, mouse, keyboard, and screen capturing. Code that enables reverse proxy for performing remote access activities anonymously, meaning even if you saw it, you'd be hard to track it. A module that collects information on a victim's machine, including OS name, version, system, yet pretty much your system dashboard. Uh, a process uh, ho a process hollowing that injects malicious code into legitimate processes. Obviously, without fact, they have credential stealing. So it can steal cookies, history, bookmarks, saved logins uh, from Chrome browsers uh, and e e Edge. And finally, uh, if you use Discord, well, this has a module that steals Discord tokens and says sends that stolen token to the attacker so that they can log in as you. So this new one, uh, the reason I mentioned is because it is definitely way more advanced than the previous versions. Uh, it has a kind of a Swiss army knife toolkit of things it can do. It's starting to get to this. Uh, and I, I hope I'm wrong, but it, it, it's kind of to me, the evolution of malware where it's, now, malware, spyware, botnet, all kind of merged into one. And hopefully, this is the last of its kind, but I honestly would believe that we're going to see a lot more of these. So, it's very important that you protect yourself. So, if you're an organization... Um, some of the things you can do are like avoid storing important files on your local computer, such as my desktop, my documents. Uh, there are ways of redirecting them or limiting the things that we save there uh, via policy or via software. Uh, use strong passwords so that from the start, you make it harder to get onto the machine. Um, always enforce multi-factor authentication where you can. This keeps it so that even if they have a password, it's hard for them to use it. Uh, make sure all your software is up to date and where possible, where it works out, make sure that you are auto updating software. And most importantly, make sure you have a decent cyber awareness program. Make sure your users know what's suspicious, have no fear in reporting suspicious activity and that they understand phishing emails and that they feel comfortable enough sending it to either IT or IT security to verify if an email is legitimate or not before they click. Now, if you are like me, an average user, an individual user, or you want to make sure your users uh, from work are safe at home, then it's kind of the same thing. Make sure they're not clicking anything they shouldn't click. Um, make sure they're using a reputable antivirus or as any kind of internet security solutions. Not, I'm, and I'm not going to badmouth the, th the free ones, but sometimes it's better off to pay for some. There are some decent free ones. I use some free ones, um, but I also pay for some too. Um, and just like for the corporate people, make sure they're not clicking links they shouldn't, especially in this time where home and work networks are closer than they've ever been. Someone might check 
log into their email from their home computer uh, if you allow such a thing. And that's where they can get the credentials. So protecting your users at home protects your corporate network as well or your organizational network. Um, but be careful. This new rat is definitely dangerous. It's definitely already out in the wild. That's how the security researchers found it. So be on the lookout. And that's all we have this week. Don't forget to be safe out there, and I'll see you again next Monday. You've been listening to the Cybersecurity News Byte with Jim Guckin. Learn more about our show at cybersecuritynewsbyte.com. 